Public service announcement. I have just temporarily closed the doors to Lifestyle Business School. If you are a current or aspiring expertise-based business that has a business, courses, coaching, masterminds, where you are divorcing your value from your time, or that is the business model that you want, you likely know that Lifestyle Business School is the program that I have been tirelessly working on over the last six months to build out six comprehensive playbooks, which basically lay out the entire path. It has everything from business model design to offer creation, to back-end delivery, to driving traffic, live launch campaigns, automated campaigns, everything you could possibly need to start or grow a leveraged expertise-based business to the lifestyle business sweet spot. Now, never fear because we've only temporarily closed the doors and we have added a wait list. So if you head to lifestylebusiness.school forward slash join, pop your name on the wait list and you are going to be notified when we open up the doors with everything built out, which is super exciting. And all of the exciting changes that we have made to the program as well, which we will share in due course. But in order to get the special VIP bonuses, when we do open the door, I want you to go and pop your name on the wait list now. So that is going to be lifestylebusiness.school forward slash join, put your name on the wait list, and you will be the first to be notified when we open up the doors with everything built out with a lot of exciting changes and with pretty much the best deal under the sun. All right, let's get into today's podcast episode. If you've got big business dreams, but you're feeling stuck when it comes to all things social media, digital, and content marketing, this is the podcast for you. And if you like free stuff, well, I've got you sorted there as well. Head over to steviesayssocial.com slash little black book now to steal my little black book of social media secrets. You're listening to the Stevie Says Social Podcast. Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 67 of the Stevie Says Social Podcast. Today is going to be a very cool episode, and I think that it's one that those of us who are growing businesses, maybe in the first year or two of business and trying to grow their damn social media accounts at the same time, will get a lot of value out of. I am chatting to Claire Wood, and Claire is an amazing business coach that specializes in small business, but also in service-based businesses, which is what I originally did when I first started out. Now, Claire is uh, basically a little bit of an Instagram queen, or she has become one in the last months or so. And the reason why I had to have her on the podcast is because she has just conducted a little bit of an Instagram experiment. And she's basically going to share with us everything that she has done to grow her engagement throughout the course of that experiment. Now, because I've got Claire here with me, because of the, it's the end of the financial year, I also want to chat to her about 
some of the things that I guess it's kind of selfish related to goal setting and related to numbers and all of that good stuff. So we will get to that as well. Now, before I introduce you, Claire, I want to let everyone know as well that we have a very cool freebie for everyone. So Claire has very kindly given me her goal setting template for the new financial year. I know that I'm going to be using it. I highly recommend that you guys use it. And if you want to get your hands on it, as well as a summary of everything we chat about in this episode, make sure you head to steviesayssocial.com forward slash 67. So all of that is out of the way. Hey, Claire. Hey, Stevie. Thanks so much for having me along. For everyone that I've kind of explained a little bit about what it is that you do, but before we dive into the Instagram side of things, why don't you tell everyone exactly what it is that you do and how you serve people? Yeah, definitely. So um, as you mentioned, I'm um, my name's Claire Wood and I'm a business coach that works with service-based businesses, established service-based businesses to help them up-level. So what I find a lot with my clients is that they've got started in business, they've got to the point where their business is, you know, tracking along okay, but they're really wanting to up level and move to that next level. And that's where I start working with them. Uh, My jam is, I guess, working on people with their mindset, but also the practical side. So, you know, getting their headspace right around it, but then really showing them how to get there. And because I was an accountant in a past life, I love to always bring the numbers side into it, which is something that, again, I find a lot of very talented business owners get quite overwhelmed with. Can I just tell you, I am one of those people. Like, <laughs> you and I are complete chalk and cheese because I have become really familiar with numbers probably, well, definitely in the last year because I've had to. But my God, it's definitely not my thing. And I think a lot of us that go into business would pretty much feel the same way. Oh, 100%. And honestly, Stevie, like, you know, I would say the great majority of business owners don't really understand a lot around understanding a profit and loss statement, what profitability is. And again, the great majority of people that I work with have never created a budget for their business. So one of the first things that I kind of do is explain the value of all of these processes and demonstrate to them how it can really help grow your business when you start to understand what's sitting behind it. So I'm actually keen to dig into that before we get into the Instagram engagement stuff, if that's okay. Definitely. I can talk numbers all day. (laughs) (laughs) I'm actually getting like, I'm getting more and more into it as I kind of realize the power of it. But when you started talking about profit, and I know it's something that we've spoken about before, but there's so many business owners that don't actually understand the difference between making $100,000 in a year and that obviously being revenue and then actually making $100,000 $100, in profit. Like they're completely chalk and cheese. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And again, I don't think that this is sort of this is really common to not understand this. And, you know, it's only because of my financial background, I guess, that I'm so okay with it. But essentially for anyone who's listening who doesn't understand exactly what we're talking about here. So sales is that number that that most small business owners talk about. It's essentially what's come through, you know, if you're a product-based business, it's what the total amount of product that you've sold is, or for a service-based business, it's the total amount of services that you've sold. And again, like you said, so many people focus on this number, like, you know, I've hit a six-figure 
you know, I've created a six-figure business, but not actually look at what the profit is. So your profit is your sales minus your cost of goods sold. So cost of goods sold is something that's directly attributable to your sales number. So in the instance of a product-based business, that's the cost of your product. So, you know, again, to your point, Stevie, you know, you might have sold $100,000 of product, $100,000 of product, but it costs you $50,000. So actually your gross profit, which is your sales less your cost of goods sold, is only $50,000. And then out of that, you also have all of your business expenses. So that might be your virtual assistant, your printing costs, um, all of those various running costs of your business. And it's only after you've paid all of that out that you've then got your profit number. Mm. And then the scary bit is, sorry, Stevie, (laughs) the scary bit is after you've got to your profit, You've then also got to pay tax, tax yes. out of that. No. <laughs> and look, you know, I've been bitten by it, you know, even with my accounting background. I know so many small business owners are, we look at that, even that profit number and you think, oh yes, I've got all this money. And then you forget, of course, that you still have to pay, you know, if, if you're, um, registered for GST if you're at that level in your business GST um, through your BAS and also you've got to pay your income tax. So Mm. the true number, how much money your business actually makes is called NPAT which is net profit after tax. So a bit boring but guys this is so important because so many times, and you know, like I work with a lot of high value clients. Um, recently, I started working with my first million dollar revenue client, okay. which sounds super cool and it is super cool. But of course, the, the underlying thing that we always have to keep our focus on is profit because sometimes businesses with a lower sales number are actually making more profit because their business costs are lower. Yeah, and I think that's something that business owners find as they start to grow and it's really relevant to me at the moment. I always have guests on my podcast episodes, PS, that are very relevant to where I'm at at a particular stage. (laughs) It's very clever. (laughs) (laughs) This is very selfish on my behalf, but I'm really finding that and it's something that I think like if you're in your first year of business, even just understanding what you've just said, Claire, is a complete game changer because you might not need it for a little while, but it becomes super relevant as you hit your second year of business and, for example, you start to think about scaling beyond, I know for me, scaling beyond just myself in my business, all of the costs that are associated with that. Obviously, that eats into your profit margin and you have to make a whole heap of calls around that. Absolutely. And it's you know, especially when I'm a marketing expert, I'm marketing is my jam. I loved it. I love it. And I never, you know, I hate maths. I've had nothing to do with it, but you really do have to school yourself in that sort of thing. If you want the business that you love to, you know, have the success that you want it to have. Oh, absolutely. And look, you know, I think everyone in business is 
on this journey, there's certainly a lot of things that I have been having to educate myself about recently. Um, you know, various statistics and whatnot in the business that to me, I never had to worry about before. So, um, as you scale and grow, you know, it's, it's super important to keep your mind on the numbers, but the earlier on that you can understand it and specifically around tax and the implications around ensuring that you're putting aside enough money to pay your tax when it comes Mm. up, the better so that you don't get bitten in the backside. Okay. So before we get into Instagram engagement, one more question. It's obviously just after the end of the financial year. So this podcast episode will go live a couple of days after we chat. Do you have any tips for businesses that are looking to set their goals at the moment? They're looking to um, think about what it is that they want to achieve in their business revenue-wise, you know, profit-wise, all of that good stuff so that we can get off on the right foot. And again, this is a selfish question, so that (laughs) I can get off on the right foot. Do you have any tips around that for small business owners? Oh, definitely. (laughs) And a great question because so often it's easy just to start sailing into the new financial year and not actually sort of take that time to really set your intentions for the the new year that's coming. And really, a new financial year is a new year. So, I want to take you through um, my framework for how I suggest that you set yourself up for the new financial year. Let's do that. First things first, before you start looking forward into the new year, I say reflect on the year gone by. So, the first thing that you should do is run your profit and loss statement for all of 2018-2019. Uh, and have a, a look back basically at your budget, if you set one, <laughs> versus your actuals. Even if you didn't set a budget, have a look at your actuals for the year and really start to understand because, again, this is a thing that I do with clients of mine and say, okay, so you know you had a sales number of X. However, look at all of these expenses and what did that equate mm-hmm. to in terms of profit. So look back on the year that's gone and take any lessons or learnings out of it. And look, you know, I know I'm banging on about expenses, but let's be clear here too. I don't think necessarily that slashing your expenses is uh, is always a smart idea because sometimes mm. like investing back in the business and certainly spending money on marketing, um, you know, is is definitely a fantastic way to grow your top line, which in turn is a really great way to grow your bottom line moving forward. So, That's so true. I actually remember, so I was showing my partner my profit and loss statement and he was looking at my um, marketing expenses and, you know, in zero, you can actually click in and see like what the expenses were. He couldn't see that. He was just looking at the, like the actual number. And he was like, my God, you need to cut that. What are you doing? And I was like, no, this is Facebook ads. If I don't spend this money, then, you know, you don't get more money back. So it's almost like it's an investment rather than an expense. And can I say something? Anyone who is feeling a little bit, I guess, you know, <laughs> similar to what you just said, a little bit intimidated by how much they are reinvesting back into their business. From my experience as a coach, you know, I've been doing this for three and a half years now. The people that I really see up level are the people that early on in their business do keep reinvesting back into their business because they're the ones that are really Mm -hmm. setting themselves up for that sort of years three to five when they really just skyrocket because everything's set up for them. Mm 
Um, so if you are in that boat, don't feel deflated about it. Feel excited about it. Know that you're investing back into your business. And um, yeah, that hopefully that's setting you up for success in the longer term. So Step yeah, one. <laughs> so I have a tendency to rub it on. So, um, <laughs> so step one, reflect on the year gone by, run your budget versus your actuals or go back and have a look at your actuals in your profit and loss statement. If you are a product-based business, it's super important to also have a look at your balance sheet, which will talk about your assets and your liabilities. If you're a service-based business, unless you've got, you know, major business assets or, or a business loan, it's probably not as relevant, um, but definitely a profit and loss statement is a really, really important one to run. The other big thing is have a look at any trends. So I actually love to run that report by month. And a big thing that you can take out of that, for example, is you can look back and you can say, oh my gosh, you know, we had a really, really slow January, February, maybe even March sometimes right, what's the lesson, what's the takeout from that? And that's the the third, I guess, part of reflecting on the year gone by is what can I take out of what went on in the year gone by? So you might say, okay, I had a really slow start to the year. Either I need to ensure that I've, you know, stockpiled some money or perhaps that you set up a, a sale, you know, at that time of year to really start to drive additional mm-hmm. revenue. So, have a look at the, the trends month by month throughout the year and see what you can take away from that to implement into your business in the new year. So once you've done that, step one, I can't iterate enough how important looking back is because that's going to lay the foundations for what's coming in the new year. So look back on the and I guess that's the benefit of being like more than a year in business oh, because definitely. that's definitely where I'm at at the moment. I've got, you know, almost a year of data sitting in zero, which is my mm-hmm. accounting software. I didn't have that a year ago. So I've got so much data to kind of go back and go, okay, cool. This is generally mm-hmm. where I was at. And then I can take that into the next year. And if you can't, <laughs> you know, I'm making it all sound super simple. If you're if you're really struggling to understand things in Excel or even how to run these reports, just get some help to do it. Like, you know, talk to your accountant, talk to an expert who can help you extract this information and then start to understand it. Mm, highly recommend that. That's literally what I did. Like I keep talking about it, but I know nothing about this stuff, <laughs> but knew that it was a weakness of mine. And I did a course with Bean Ninjas, which was a really good course just on the basics of accounting. I did a lot of different catch-ups with my accountant to really get my head around how it all worked and just to feel comfortable in my own mind with, um, obviously, you're doing all this work to make money, being comfortable with how that money is kind of rolling out. Oh, absolutely. And look, Stevie, you know, full transparency, I'm a qualified accountant, like I've done my CPA, but I still sit down with my own accountant every single month to get across my numbers. And the reason is because, you know, especially as a coach, I strongly believe in external accountability. And I strongly believe that someone on the outside can see things that you on the inside can't see. So I'm a big believer in getting some help and um, and sitting down. And every single month for me, it's something that I sit down and analyze and understand and take take action upon. Yeah. Um, so year cool. ends a great time to do that. So after you've sort of done your reflection on the year gone by, we move into 
looking forward, which is the fun stuff. So the first part of that, set your goals for the new year. So to your point, like what's that big revenue number? And importantly, this is one that so many people forget about. What is your profit number? Because again, like I talk to so many clients and they're like, we want to hit a mil. We want to hit half a mil. And I'm like, okay, that's great. But how much profit does that you know, equate to, and people sort of look at you blankly. And I'm like, it doesn't, it honestly, it doesn't really mean a lot if you hit these big numbers, mm-hmm. if you don't get to keep most of it because it's not profit. Yeah. It sounds so simple when you say it like that, you know, but it's something that would be so, so common. It is definitely so common. So set those top line numbers. What's the revenue number? What's your profit number for the year? And um, then following on from that, oh, and sorry, just one last tip on this for anyone who's listening who has no idea how to go about doing that. Um, firstly, what I would say is you have a look at your last year's number and see what sits right with you. So, you know, I'm a big believer, like obviously I'm all about growth, I'm all about mindset, I'm all about pumping people up. But I have to say, if you set a number that seems, that feels unrealistic to you, you will not feel motivated by it and you'll feel deflated Mm. by it. And trust me, I've done this myself. I've seen so many people do it themselves. And what I'm talking about here is let's just say that you had a $70,000 year one year, uh, $90,000 one year, and then you set yourself a revenue target of $300,000 for the next year. So it sounds really cool. It sounds really exciting. But what happens is that, you know, if you hit a couple of months in, you actually start to feel super deflated that you're not achieving that goal. And sometimes I say, like, I'm a big believer, always stretch yourself, but, but make it something that sits right with you. If it's a big number, that's totally fine, but it has to be something that when you go, yeah, I could achieve that, you honestly, in your heart of hearts, believe that's an achievable number because if at the start of the year, you think it's a bit of a a BS number, um, you're probably just, that's going to, you're going to feel that all year and you're not going to feel motivated by it. You'll probably feel deflated by it. So, you know, have a look at, have a look at how you've turned and please don't be limited by your past, but be realistic about you know, is this number going to motivate me or is it going to make me feel really crappy? Yeah. 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 No, that's actually, it's such a good point. It's so funny. I say similar things with social media goals and marketing goals and things like that. It's a similar type of thing. If you kind of go, I want, um, use followers because it's the obvious one. I want, you know, 10,000 followers in the next three months. Then you're going to give up if after a week you've got 20, you know? So yeah, it's completely, it makes sense that it applies to business as well. And it's something I've done. Like I actually last year, I have achieved a lot in a year, but I had this like crazy goal that I don't even know where I got it from. I think I was listening to some American motivational person and they tell you. Oh, I don't even know. To, oh, it was Grant Cardone. Is it Grant Cardone that does the 10X thing? Anyway, basically he was saying like, think about what your goal is and then 10X that and then think about 
basically what actions you need that <laughs> would get you to your 10x goal. And so I 10xed basically what my goal was and there was no way in hell that I was ever going to achieve it. And you're right, it can be kind of demotivating when, you know, um, when you're not kind of there, you know, a quarter of the way into the year. And again, like it's not, I don't want to limit anyone's beliefs around what's possible because I've seen people achieve incredible things in a year, but it's about your own inner belief. And if in your heart of hearts, you set that number down and you're like, I am never going to hit this and you don't have, or someone sets this crazy goal and you're like, but how are you going to get there? And if they're not, you know, investing into every single part of their business with everything they've got then it's like, well, you don't really have a plan of how you're going to get there. So That's the key, isn't it? It's having the plan. And I don't know if this is like your next step, Claire, and maybe I'm jumping the gun, but um, a lot of the time, like, and I know that I've kind of just gone through this process and I think that your goal setting sheet will be really useful for this stuff for anyone that actually wants to get their hands on it because I'm definitely going to revisit. But um, all of the goals that I've set, it's really then about, okay, what do I need to do? Like, who do I need to hire? What do I have need to have in place to actually get me from where I am at the moment to where I want to be? Well, you must be a bit of a psychic because you've hit <laughs> step three nail on there. There you go. Yay. Um, so yeah, step three is basically then translating these goals into practical, you know, a practical plan. And as part of that is having a month by month budget. So, for example, if you do want to 10x your number from last year, all the power to you. But you go, okay, what do I need to do to get there? Okay, I'm going to need to hire three people. I'm going to need to invest this much money into Facebook ads. And you basically translate the how back into numbers. So, think about that goal that you've set, the profit and the revenue number that you set, and say, right, what do I need to get there? What is that going to take me to do in my business and then just make sure that you account for that in your plan. So you go, okay, cool. I'm going to need a social media manager. I'll put that much in as an expense every month. I'm going to need to employ myself an assistant. Excellent. So, you know, whatever the number is, whether you have a massive big stretch or whether you've got, you know, um, a reasonable increase goal that you set, or maybe you want to just achieve the same result you achieved this year, make sure that you then break that goal down into the components of a profit and loss statement and set yourself a monthly budget for the year. And again, I can't tell you how much of a game changer this is for clients of mine because suddenly, and in some ways it's actually quite empowering because you sort of say, hey, if I want to get there, it's okay for me to spend X amount every month because I've allowed for that. I've I've forecast for it. And I know Mm -hmm. that for me to be hitting that number by that month, that I need to be spending this kind of dollars here. Mm. It really ties it back, doesn't it, then to a tangible goal? Because I think that's the hard thing with expenses. It's easy when it's things like Facebook ads, or at least it is for me, because I can kind of calculate things like return on ad spend but there's a lot of expenses that I would have in my business that I'm like okay so 
I feel nervous about doing this. If I then had kind of like the plan where it was like, no, this is my goal and I can tie this spend in this month to that particular goal and it will help me get there. I think that's a mental shift for me because I'd be like, okay, cool. I feel comfortable about doing this, but potentially not about doing this. Oh, definitely. And you know what? I love that Robert Kiyosaki saying as well. And he says, don't say I can't afford it. Say, how can I afford it? So sometimes, like, for example, in my business at the moment, um, you know, I'm saying I've got a big goal that I'm chasing down and in the interim for me to get there, I'm going to take on, you know, extra coaching clients because I really want to have the capacity to be able to invest back into my business. So when you look at it kind of with the lens of how can I get there rather than I can't afford it then, um, you know, that's exciting as well. And you just, again, need to allow for that in your planning process. I love it, Claire. Thanks, love. That is so helpful. And I think it's going to be helpful for everyone as well. And look, guys, for everyone listening, I know that we said that we were talking about Instagram engagements. So we should <laughs> probably get to that now, considering a 26.44 <laughs> minutes into the podcast. So, <laughs> Um, but for everyone that is kind of at the beginning of the new financial year, I know that's me. I know it's a lot of us business owners. I think that that's going to be such a helpful framework. I actually wish that I had have done my planning after our chat, Claire. So I'll definitely be going back and revisit. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. And honestly, this stuff, it, it is a game changer. I see it with my clients all the time. As soon as you start to physically lay out your plans, it just almost in itself, it starts to change the results that you achieve in your business. So good luck to everyone out there and make sure you definitely check out the template so you can set your goals for the new financial year. Yes. Stevie says social.com forward slash 67. Now let's talk about Instagram. (laughs) Oh yeah. That's what you brought me here for, wasn't it? (laughs) It Don't mind. There's plenty of numbers in this section too. So (laughs) yeah, I think I just need to change the name of the podcast to like um, numbers and talk about, you know, <laughs> profit and loss, and numbers, related to business, numbers related to Instagram engagement. We will see. <laughs> Do you want the complete roadmap for social media success? I'm talking a step-by-step, here is exactly how you do it framework designed to build your followers, your business, and your bank account. Of course you do. And if so, you're going to want to come and join me in the Hashtags Aren't The Answer program. This is my signature program designed to get you real results on social media. It includes everything you need to succeed. For more information, head to steviesayssocial.com forward slash courses now. So tell me about... Tell me about what you've been doing because you've been doing a very cool kind of little experiment that you didn't tell people about when you were actually doing it, but you told people about the results and I was very, very interested in that. So let us in on what you did. So yeah, to your point, it might be a little bit cheeky, but what I decided to do, um, you know, Instagram is has always been this scary, overwhelming thing to me. And in so many ways, it still is, I have to admit. But rather than sit back and say, oh, you know, Instagram doesn't work or it's not going to work for my kind of business. Exactly. I thought, do you know what? I'm just going to embrace this and immerse myself in it and just try different things out. And rather than sort of you know, theoretically do a post and say this works. I thought I'm actually going to do it. 
And so before I'm posting this, you know, fake content, I guess I'm like, I'm going to do it live on my very own Instagram account and see what the results are. And then I can go and actually share that with my followers. And this can be really cool, interesting, real life content that I can share with them. So basically what I did for the month of May was I decided to test out a bunch of different theories on my very own Instagram account. So do you want to hear all about them? Yes, I want to hear all about them. So the very first theory that I decided to test, look, I cannot take credit for this. This came from Jenna Kutcher. And anyone who's listening who doesn't know who Jenna Kutcher is, you need to get on board. She's um, an American. I don't even know how would you describe her. Is she a business coach or a Yeah, I think so. In essence, yeah. She's, you know, achieved amazing things um, and she's achieved incredible success in her business. And I was reading a blog of hers where she said that she stopped posting quote tiles and, you know, those stock fillers into her Instagram feed and she just posted photos of herself and her family because she knew that they were the ones that got the most engagement. And I was thinking about it and I'm like, that's exactly the same as me. Every time I post a picture of me, I get really great, a great number of likes and people commenting. So I've I thought, never, ever been involved or seen the back end of an Instagram account where that's not the case, just PS. Like every single account, if the owner or the person behind the account has their face in a post, it is always the highest engagement. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. I know, Stevie, you and I have had this chat before, but a little hack for your listeners, for whatever bloody reason, whenever I post a picture of me and my husband, that also does really well. <laughs> he's got such a big head about it. Like literally, if if I ever do share a picture with him, he's like, how many likes has it got? And I almost <laughs> don't want to tell him because for whatever reason, that seems to do really well as well. Yeah. It just comes back to like people connect with people. They want to know what's going on behind the scenes. And I love that you did that, Claire, because you can theoretically tell people that in an Instagram post, but actually doing it and showing people the results is a whole different thing. Oh, definitely. So yeah, I did it. I did it for a whole month, the whole month of May. And actually, as I'll share with you now, the results are so good that I've also done it for the whole month of June as well. Ooh. So let me just share with you what happened to my account. Now, I don't at this stage have a huge number of followers on Instagram. Um, however, I do have a very high engagement rate on my Instagram. And if anyone's listening and they're like, well, what does that even mean? If you don't know what an engagement um, stat is for a start, engagement is basically your likes plus your comments divided by the number of your followers and times 100. Now, I've worked with people in my business. And I feel almost super intimidated because I look at their Instagram and I think this person's got 50,000 followers or 100,000 followers. And let me tell you, it doesn't always translate into financial (laughs) results. No. Yeah. But engagement does be, uh, uh, not always, but you know, engagement generally is kind of telling you how many people are liking and interacting with your content. And I think, like, Claire, you've got – how many followers do you have on Instagram? Just over 2,000? Yeah, just over yeah. 2,000. 
So you've got, that's actually, you know, for people that are just starting out, they would, you know, give their right left arm. What is it? Left arm. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. Something like that. <laughs> they would give their left arm to have 2,000 followers. I remember when I was kind of starting out, it's, you know, that was you know, a thousand was my big kind of hairy goal or whatever. But I think that you're at a stage where it's, um, you know, it's relatable for other people when there's people with, you know, 10, 20, 50,000 people on their Instagram account telling you what to do on Instagram. It's not that relatable. And I think the other benefit for you at the moment with the number of followers that you have is that you do have an opportunity to cultivate a really engaged, passionate following. And that gets harder to do the more followers you have. There's actually a lot of power in being where you're at at the moment and doing the things that you're doing, which is all of the right things. And we'll talk about that. But um, it really kind of gives you the opportunity to have a following that's engaged, which get, means that they see your content more, which means that they're more likely to actually get to the point that they know, like, and trust you enough to want to work with you. Oh, absolutely. And to be perfectly honest, it was this time a year ago, I had 300 followers, 320 followers. Mm. So... Yeah, I guess I guess there has so been a lot of work. strong so group. One thing that I will clarify with that, like a lot of people get really disillusioned by the fact that they don't have the followers after a month or six months or a year or whatever. You've put in the work to get to where you're at at the moment, right? Like it's not like you post once a week or you post really kind of, you know, um, salesy content. You've actually really put in the work to get to where you're at at the moment. And to get to where you're at in a year for a service-based business in particular is really exceptional. Oh, thank you. That feels really amazing coming from you. Um, sure. You know, and, and to your point, I have done 550 posts on my Instagram and I post on my stories several times a day, sometimes many, many, many times a day. So my growth has been very slow and steady. There was no overnight success story. Um, and to be honest, I think I've still got a long way to go. However, I feel like I'm starting to do a lot of things like this experiment that are starting to get a lot of interest and starting to really resonate with people. So that's the exciting stuff when you're connecting with people and most importantly, that those people that are engaging with you are then becoming paying clients. Yes. So we'll get to that because I'm really keen to talk about that's the missing link for a lot of people. You can get engagement all day, every day, but actually getting to, um, you know, people actually calling you or buying your stuff is a whole different kettle of fish. So I definitely want to chat about that. But before we get there, so you had and I'm actually looking at your Instagram account at the moment. It is literally you in every single photo. <laughs> so I can see that. <laughs> so that was the first thing that you did. Did you find, what was the difference in terms of your engagement um, on your posts when it was you in a photo as opposed to not? Do you have like a little bit of a comparison? Well, yeah, I do. The, interestingly, the biggest growth I noticed with pictures of myself was that my followers increased so much. So to get some context, my followers in April grew by 140. Um, and then for the month of May grew by 227. So that's a growth of 62%. I got almost double the amount of followers in one month 
just by posting yeah, pictures gosh, of me. Yeah, you can tell you're a number straight into the percentages. But <laughs> I love it though because it's actually hard evidence that it works. Exactly. Right? And on top of that, I did get an 18% increase in engagement and a 25% increase in reach. So what I would imagine, because it's quite interesting with the followers because... And, you know, it depends on what you were doing outside of this or whether, you know, you were keeping everything the same and obviously just kind of mixing up your content and things like that. But my gut feeling on it is obviously the more that people are engaging with your posts, the more opportunity there is for that post to be, you know, in the feeds of other people, the more opportunity there is for um for your reach to increase and so therefore those same people are seeing those posts more than they otherwise would if they weren't engaging with it and it's kind of like a knock-on effect oh absolutely so it starts with the engagement which then increases your reach which has a knock-on effect on your followers but it all starts with at the end of the day really good content you know that is likely to get engagement definitely and that actually leads me to theory two (laughs) that I ran for the month. (laughs) So theory two was about engagement because, again, I was like, well, you know, how how long do I need to spend? And something, you know, that I've, I've toggled with a lot on my Instagram journey is how much time I spend on Instagram and engaging every day. And, um, I still don't really know the answer, but I decided, Mm -hmm. hey, I'm going to again try this out live (laughs) on on my followers for the month of May. So what I did was, because generally what I was doing was spending about 30 minutes a day on engagement. So I'd spend 15 minutes engaging with my existing followers and 15 minutes with potential new client or new followers, sorry. And and when would you do that? Would you do that after you posted or just whenever you Yeah, look, chance? anyone who's listening and doesn't know my story, I've got a one-year-old and a four-year-old. So for me, it's just when I get a chance. Um, and look, I know that's not really ideal when it comes to, you know, I, the theory that I understand is that it's best to engage directly before you post. But sometimes my posts were done on the fly and I then just did my engagement later when I was sitting down or, you know, um, wrapping up the day. No, and I think that's a really good point because there's so many people. I actually have a lot of members in my hashtags on the answer membership and they're mums as well and they freak out about that, you know, and they'll be like, you know, I should be doing it at the same time as my post goes live but it's 7 o'clock and I'm, you know, bathing the kids or whatever and my advice is, you know, just the fact that you're doing it is better than not doing it at all, you know. Oh, absolutely. And I don't beat myself up. Like being a mum is my most important job. And I just sort of think I do what I can when I can. But for the month of May, I was really committed to finding out exactly how important this engaging component is. So what I did every second day, I just refused to engage at all. (laughs) So... Um, I did no commenting. I didn't reply to messages. I literally just let it sit for a 24 hour period. And then the next day I spent a full hour. So every second day I kind of went a bit nuts. I went and did external engaging. I engaged with my existing followers. Now this result, I was so not expecting. Um, 
But, you know, there's a couple of different ways we can interpret it. So we'll talk about that. But the thing that I found was that it didn't have an effect on my likes or my comments at all. Now, it's not to say that you should not be engaging because I think that's such a powerful part of it. And again, I think this is why you can't really take a lot out of it because, you know, personally, there's no way I'm going to try not engaging for a month <laughs> on my on my live Instagram account. <laughs> well, that's it. That's it. Um, but, you know, like it, interestingly, I sort of was – I thought that every second post would totally bomb. Yeah, right. And I did not find that at all. In yeah. fact, you, you really, like if you look at the the likes that I had through the month of May, you can't really tell which ga- days I was doing my external engaging and which days I, I wouldn't. So Right, so you were kind of comparing. When you said you were doing one day on, one day off, it was like comparing the days off to the days on. Yeah. And again, I realize this isn't a strict, you know, because of course some people might see it the next day and not, but you know, overall, like, you know, when I think people beat themselves up going, oh, I couldn't get on Instagram today. Like for a month, I didn't do it every second day. So I spent half a month not on it Mm. and it didn't really affect my results the way that I thought that it would. In fact, as I've said, I actually had my strongest month ever on Instagram. So Mm. definitely don't not engage. Please let me be clear. I'm not suggesting that. However, I guess maybe for me, the takeout is, you know, that, that, that engaging isn't as strong of a, a place, you know, every day necessarily as we yeah. perhaps thought. And, and it's, I guess it comes back to what's the best use of your time and also where you're at. So probably what I'd say to that is like, and I remember the early days of having an Instagram account where you're like, oh my gosh, it is crickets. Nobody knows about me. Nobody is, you know, um, nobody's engaging, blah, blah, blah. I think in those early days, probably you know, six months ago for you, Claire, that's probably when it would have been, you know, a lot more important to do that early grunt work is what I call it because I don't do that stuff anymore in terms of proactively going out to other accounts and engaging, et cetera. But, you know, I really had to do it in the early days to get attention. And what it is now for me and probably for you as well is, it's now that people are on your account, you know, they're enjoying your content. If you're putting good content out there, it's really kind of um, developing relationships with people completely over and above the algorithm, but actually just kind of, you know, um, when people take the time to actually leave you a comment, especially a meaningful comment, you reply to them because it means that you're kind of I don't want to say warming them up because it sounds like such a marketing term, but it means you're developing a relationship with them, right? Oh, absolutely. And Stevie, I think you've totally hit the nail on the head with that. Um, You know, again, I think that I did put in a lot of work with my engagement in the early days. So I guess it's a bit naive to assume that engagement doesn't play a part because people don't know you. Like if you aren't out there, especially when your account is initially growing, you do need to get out there and say, hey, I'm over here and let, uh, you know, other businesses know about you and to your point, develop those relationships. So, um, 
and develop that little Instagram community, you know, like it's kind of like I liken it to being the new kid at school when you first kind of open your Instagram account and you don't really know anyone and you've kind of got to go out and you've got to develop your own little online community and anyone that's in that kind of small business Instagram community would know what I mean. It's really kind of, it's not even just potential customers, it's potential referral sources, it's, you know, business friends and really building up that network so that, you know, when you do get a year down the track, then it sort of starts to build that momentum and you don't need to be spending one, two, however many hours a day on Instagram doing that stuff. I actually told my business coach that there's people spending, you know, upwards of two or three or whatever hours on Instagram doing that stuff. And he was horrified. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's really thinking about, you know, when you need to do the hard work and when you need to maybe put your efforts into other Oh, definitely. And I think at different stages in your journey, it's going to be different. Um, I've definitely had stages where I've been spending that much time on Instagram. And I don't just mean engaging. I also mean like writing content, um, all of that of sort of stuff as well. But it, right? it does take up a lot of time and, you know, it does, I guess, change as well, depending at where you're at on your your Instagram journey. Um, but mm-hmm. I do want to share too the, um, the third theory that I tested out. Um, yeah. And before I go on, I guess I just want to share um, the engagement that I did achieve during the month um, because I don't know that I've, I've actually shared that stat yet. Yeah. So look, when it comes to Instagram and Stevie, I'd love to know your thoughts about this, but you know, me doing a quick check on Google said that engagement rates of between one and 3% are, are like average or considered good engagement. Less than one is considered below average and above six is considered very high engagement rates. Does that sort of align to your understanding? Yeah, so that's kind of, it really depends. So it depends on your follower number. So basically what will happen is that as you grow, your engagement rate will naturally go down. So if you have 100, 300, 500, 1,000 followers on Instagram, you're going to find that your numbers will skew much higher than that. And, you know, that's partially because maybe it's your friends and family on there and they're engaging with everything. You know, the algorithm, you know, people are seeing the content more, there's less people on there, etc. So it will skew much, much higher. As you start to get more followers, it will, your engagement rate will generally kind of start to go down from there. So the numbers you're talking about, would be about right for an account with, you know, 10,000-ish followers, mm-hmm. um, give or take, and it's dependent on a whole heap of different things, but that's kind of how engagement rate works. That's so interesting and um, it's so good to hear your insights on that. And I've noticed actually, because when I first got started on Instagram, I noticed my engagement, like even just my likes were much, much higher um, yeah. my engagement rate was much higher and then it sort of came away. And then through this journey of doing this experiment, it was like, it got revitalized again. And, um, I was achieving some really high engagement rates. And I guess that's why I thought, you know, it would be really interesting to share some of the, these, um, 
the, the theories that I tested and the results that I got. So the engagement rates that I was achieving for the posts that I'm about to talk about now, and given that above 6% is considered a very high engagement rate, I was achieving results of between 11 and 13 um, percent for these posts. So, you know, you can jump onto my Instagram, which is Claire with no I, C-L-A-R-E underscore wood underscore coach and scroll back a bit. <laughs> you can find you can find the posts and um, actually check them out. But I'll just talk at a top line level to what the takeaways were from the um the five best posts and I've if if you're looking at my feed you'll see that I actually did a picture that has what the posts were so that's an easy way to find it but basically the post I had that got the most engagement for the whole month was a really really raw and vulnerable post that I wrote where I kind of poured my heart out a bit and is this the one where you checked into the hotel it was yes Yes. You know what? I was just going through your feed and I was like, I bet that that is the post. Yeah. So um, anyone who's listening, basically, um, I've got young kids. I was really, really sleep deprived and I just went away for a night without my family. So I, and I felt so uh, weird, I guess, um, writing about it as a business coach. It's not often that I sort of you know, I don't want to, I guess, not dump my stuff, but, you know, I want to kind of keep my feet a really yeah. positive place. But actually me dropping that, you know, dropping my my walls a bit and sharing a vulnerable post like that went really, really well. Yeah. But I think it's relatable, Claire, you know, like, yes, we're small business owners, but a lot of, you know, a lot of people in our audiences are also mums and they relate to the fact that, you know, that it's tough. Basically. Oh, absolutely. And I, for me, that was like a big, wow, okay, you know, being vulnerable really connects with people. And, yeah, you know, I got so many comments on that post. So, um, yeah, I guess this. So one thing that people I think are scared of with those sort of posts is they're really scared to put themselves out there. Is that something that you found? <laughs> Oh, absolutely. I mean, personally, I was, yeah. I was terrified. I was, I know. you know, and God, especially right. if you are someone that, you know, people look to for, you know, <laughs> to be that solid kind of person, I was really like, is everyone going to think badly of me? Are they going to think I'm a bad mom? Are they going to think, why is she not coping with things? Surely she's got it all figured out. So yeah, it was really tough for me. And for anyone, you know, mm-hmm. some I, I know people sometimes even to put a picture of their face on Instagram just feels terribly intimidating and totally so many people are in that oh definitely and you know it's funny when I was first doing this experiment and do you know what someone said to me they said aren't you worried that people are going to think that you're up yourself if you just post all pictures of yourself (laughs) such a great question though it is. It is because this is the, you know, these are the thoughts that people have. Oh, definitely. And do you know what just came straight back off the top of my tongue without even thinking about it? I just said, well, I'm going to be a millionaire one day, so I don't really care. Yes, go girl. And um, and they sort of looked at me and I was like, wow, okay. Um, that's I've obviously got that belief, which is um, exciting. Um, but, you know, when I look at people like, Jenna Kutcher, who, you know, obviously was the first one to do it. And I think she doesn't care. Mm. And the funny thing is I was so, yeah, nervous about like 
exactly. Are people going to think I'm a narcissist or whatever? But when I posted the results of this experiment, so many people commented and said, I didn't even notice that you've posted all pictures of yourself for the month. Totally. Nobody would notice, you know, like we're so caught up in our own things sometimes that, um, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with that. I was going to say exactly that. So it's interesting that other people said it. Yeah. So, you know, if you're having a listen and you're feeling a bit, you know, should I do it, should I not? And again, you know, specifically for service-based businesses, I think this is a really, um, really relevant one. Um, I say just give it a try. And I've actually, I can't tell you how many people have messaged me, DM'd me, tagged me in posts and said, you know, you inspired me to do it and my engagement is better than it ever has been. And Mm. so it's not just me. It's not just this one-off fluke. There's lots of service-based business owners who are saying to me they can't believe how well it's um, resonating with their followers as well. (laughs) That's cool. So what are the other posts that did well? So the next one that did really well, this is going to sound so weird to anyone listening, but if you go and check it out, it'll make a bit more sense. But basically... Okay, can I guess? Yeah, go on. Because the other post that I loved of yours, and if I get this right, seriously, I need a prize in the mail, guys. But was it the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? Yes, it was. <laughs> How did you know? Because I thought it was the funniest oh thing I had ever read. <laughs> so anyone who's listening and thinking, what the hell? I can't believe you guessed that, by the way. That's really... I know. Maybe there you go. Maybe it's not such a, um, a magic. Maybe there, you know, there is a bit of um, science behind it, if you could guess that. But basically what I did, I wrote my life story in a rap to the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I am not going to wrap it here on the podcast. Let me assure you. (laughs) Can you please wrap Um, it? Please. (laughs) No, definitely not. But, you know, (laughs) like it was just, it was just a bit of a, you know, just something weird and something different. And, um, I just got so many people just commented, connected. It was so clever though, Claire, the way that you did it. Like, yeah, it was the funniest post. Which one is it on your feet? Um, oh, it's a picture there? of me and my husband and my two kids. Um, so, again, back in May. Um, yeah, so check that out. And, you know, don't do a wrap, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, because, you know, it's been done, but, you know. <laughs> think of something think of something that's a bit different and a bit unusual you know I did a post about ages ago about my fish one day um and said you know how my fish I don't know I can't even remember what I said but something about how he supports me in business and again people are just like that's so weird but so interesting and um sometimes it's things that are a little bit left field and you know when you scroll through Instagram if you guys are spending much time on it that it can get really quite samey and I know for me that whenever something's a bit quirky or different or whatever, it really turns my head. So, yeah, something yeah. a bit funny, a bit different. No, I think that's awesome. And it's 100% true. Like this, none of this stuff is rocket science, but I think number one, we're kind of too scared to do things a little bit differently because it means that we're standing out and that can be uncomfortable. And number two, it's just, it's, even though you make it sound easy, it's not the easiest thing in the world to sit down and think about and do. You know what I mean? It's a lot easier to write a post that says, you know, how's your Monday going? Do you need a coffee? Yeah. (laughs) Than it is to actually kind of really dig deep into the stories that people will resonate with. But it's when you do the work for everyone that's listening, like for Claire, she would have spent time on this, Mm -hmm. right? But um, it's when you do that work that you actually 
get the results. You know, if the algorithm is letting you down, it's not because of the algorithm. It's because you're not creating content that's engaging enough for people to want to engage with. And can I tell you, you want to be different because if you just Mm. blend into everyone else, how's anyone going to know about you and know that they want to work with you or buy your product or your service. Like you mm. want something that's... Especially true of a service-based business, right? Definitely, because, definitely. You know, the only thing that differentiates you, if there's a million business coaches out there, especially in an industry like yours or any service-based industry, you know, the differentiator is whether they relate to you, whether they connect with you and social media in particular is such a great way of getting that across. Definitely. And I know for you, Stevie, like one of the things that I love about your feed is that it's so bright and so colourful and it's something that you, you can't ignore it. Like it jumps out at you. And I think that that's, you know, again, I think that being different really puts you in a in strong stead when you're looking at Instagram where everything can look and feel a little samey-samey sometimes. Totally. Um, so the next couple of um, posts, I'll just quickly scoot through them. Yeah. Um, one was a value at, and it was a bit of behind the scenes. So I shared some tips around my office setup. Um, the next one that went really well was a post that I took at a Business Chicks event. And what I put about, oh, I can't remember, maybe six photos in them post. So it was a scrolling one, which means that people have to hang around on your post a little longer if they want to look through them all. And it's a factor in the algorithm. Definitely. But also I've seen people do this and then you scroll and it's crappy photos. So (laughs) that doesn't work because the idea is that you want people to keep scrolling on. Um, And I also tagged multiple accounts. So I was tagging a lot of other business owners that I was there with and met. And again, I definitely think that tagging multiple accounts, again, not spammy, like people that are relevant, that are in <laughs> relevant to the post. Yeah. And I think that's the key. Like you were tagging people that were at the event or that you spoke to at the event or whatever. That is very different to tagging a whole heap of people in a post, even if they're not related to the post. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Definitely. And then the last post um, that went really well, it it sounds really horrible to say it, but basically like I posted a photo of me pregnant and then said like something like surprise um, or announcement or something. And then I said, I work with lots of pregnant people. And I said, no, I'm not pregnant. And um, <laughs> everyone was mortified. <laughs> like people like you got me. But so, you know, I guess I'd say major life events, that will get fantastic engagement. But please don't do a fake one like me because I got a lot of people who were just kind of angry at me. So, you know, if you get engaged, if you get married, if you're having a baby, um, you know, whatever, if you've had a baby, whatever it might be, any major life event, I know that people are just going to love and engage and connect with as well. So, um, yeah, if something exciting is going on, why not share it with your followers? Yeah. And I think like that mix of content is such a great mix in terms of, um, especially for a service-based business, that mix of connection content and value content is what I call it. So, you know, content that's helping people, but then also content that's creating connection with your audience. That is a winner. And for everyone listening, you might notice there is not one single promotional post in those top five posts. And there is a reason for that. It does not get engagement. Sure, you can do it every now and then, but you need to have the bulk of your content be this type of content because people are on social media to, you know, 
basically hang out with their family and friends, discover new brands and be entertained. And if you're being spammy as hell with your business posts and wondering why you're not getting great engagement, And I have to say, I could not agree more with this. And let's just say the engagement experiment continued on. The last week I was running this, um, you know, an end of year financial training. It was free. But because I was pushing it a lot, my engagement Mm. plummeted. And I wasn't even mm. selling anything. I was literally giving away you know, free, free content. But because I wasn't engaged, like, you know, I wasn't providing value. I wasn't um, providing entertainment, etc. I just noticed that my engagement massively plummeted. So, you know, yeah. every now and again, I think you do need to sell. Like you can't just be hanging out on Instagram and, you know, it's all just for, you know, fun and games. You do need to do that. But yeah be conscious that, you know, I definitely think that you need to overwhelmingly have the majority of your content is not sales focused. Mm. And you can be really smart about it. Cause I had the same thing, like during my launch for my membership, I was so busy that I actually got a bit lazy with my Instagram content. And I was putting content up that was like, you know, doors are closing, blah, blah, blah. And I knew it wasn't going to get the engagement and it didn't. And I remember like the day before the doors closed, I was like, okay, I need to actually practice what I preach and I need to be more strategic about this. And I had a post scheduled that was like doors closing tonight and it was a graphic. And I was like, well, I know that this isn't going to do very well, right? And so I canned it basically and ended up putting a photo of me outside Rickshaws, which is a restaurant down on the Gold Coast. And basically was talking, I told a story. So I was talking about how the membership was closing, how I'm so excited that, you know, I get to do what I love for a living. I'm helping people out and, you know, I'm so grateful for all of it and a whole heap of other stuff. I can't remember exactly what was in it, but it was my most Mm. engaged with post and it had a small call to action at the end, but you can kind of be salesy in a way that's not being salesy by telling stories. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Great tip. tip. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Now we have been talking for a while, but there is one more thing that I promised that we would cover. um, And I'm keen on finding out what your results were, not only in terms of your engagement, but in terms of any impact that it had on your business as a result of the work that you did during May and then into June. Yeah, absolutely. So you've made a really good point here. Like, you know, I've shared some of the engagement stats. I've shared some of the, um, so I had an 18% increase in engagement. I had a 62% increase in followers, but that's all well and good. What did it actually mean in terms of sales? Well, May was my strongest ever sales month since I've been in business Yeah, in three and a half years. So I'm not saying it's you know, directly off the back of all of this, but, you know, pretty strong coincidence. Do you think it is? Like, do you think that it's like a, a, that, that's the reason why? I definitely or? get most of my new client leads through Instagram. Um, so... And do you have a sales funnel or is it just people kind of seeing your content on Instagram and it's as simple as they're kind of saying, hey, I kind of came across you on Instagram, thought I would send And again, literally most people are contacting me direct. So literally, and again, it's not as simple as 
<laughs> you know, someone finds you and then drops your DM and says, hey, can I work with you? No, However, yeah. if someone has been following you for a while and they notice you really up-leveling or doing something a bit different, that might be the thing that they then go, hey, this is like she's doing some pretty cool things or he's doing some pretty cool things. Now's the time that I'm ready to reach out. And um, lots of people that I work with have followed me for months or sometimes even years before we end up working together. So everyone's got a different sales journey. Um, But in May, I definitely attracted um, a lot of people that had, I guess, either a shorter sales journey or people that had been following me for a while and contacted me directly. And again, with the sales funnel, you know, I shouldn't just say that it's, you know, they just saw me on Instagram. I presume that most of them went to my website, checked me out on my website, um, you know, downloaded some of my content, maybe downloaded some of my freebies and then decided to reach out. But it was definitely where people were finding me and developing that connection and relationship before they decided to take that next step on the the buyer journey. I love that. And what I think as well is, yes, you are doing all of this stuff on Instagram, which is bloody amazing. And I think that is the reason where, sorry, the reason why people got excited and they're like, cool, I'm going to check this girl out, see what she's about, see if she can help me. But once they got to your website, like you also do things like, you know, um, pillar content. So really kind of in-depth content. And I know you've got something very special coming out soon, which I won't spoil the surprise in case you don't want to talk about it. But, (laughs) um, But you also do things like, you know, once people have gotten to your website, you've got a whole heap of testimonials on there. So, you know, it's leading people further down the customer journey from, okay, this girl's doing some cool stuff on Instagram. I think I maybe resonate with her. They head to your website. They see that you've got some content. This girl knows what she's talking about. Other people have worked with you. There's a whole heap of testimonials and it kind of just, you know, step by step solidifies their decision that, yes, this is the person that I want to go with. So, um, you know, what I'm saying is it's a whole ecosystem of things, but I think that they work really well together. Oh, definitely. And I think to your point, like, you know, whether you're in a a product-based business or a service-based business, thinking about that user journey end-to-end and understanding what might they be doing from here, um, where are they going, how can they contact me, all of these things are super, super important for making sure that, you know, people go from just being followers on Instagram to being people who know, like, and trust and then eventually buy from you. That's right. (laughs) Groundbreaking, right? Oh, thank you so much, Claire. I think that the practical kind of tips from people like you that are actually in there doing things are the most helpful um, in terms of content. And I know that there's a lot of people that will be listening to this podcast episode and will be, um, yeah, very, very inspired, but will also get a lot from what you've shared. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Stevie. It's been a pleasure. How can people find out about you if they want to go down the rabbit hole and find out everything about <laughs> Sure. So <laughs> you could either jump onto my website, which is clairewood.com.au. Um, and I should just mention Claire has no I in it because my parents decided for whatever reason not to put an I in my name. Or you can jump on over to the um, the infamous Instagram account that we've spoken about, which is Claire underscore Wood 
underscore coach. And very soon I'll have something new and exciting that's another way that you'll be able to join me and learn plenty more from me. So keep your eyes posted on my socials. Oh my gosh, that's very cryptic. And I'm glad that I didn't spill the beans because (laughs) we're keeping it under wraps for a few more days. Yes, exactly. Watch this space. Thank you so much, Claire. Thanks, Stevie. And there you have it, guys. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I think that it's a really practical one, whether you need to get your numbers sorted, whether you need to get your Instagram engagement sorted, I think it's going to be really helpful for you. Now, I want to know what you think about this podcast. What I would love you to do is to take a screenshot of it, put it on your stories, Send me an Instagram DM, do something on Instagram, basically head over there. Let me know what you thought, because sometimes I have no idea who's listening to this podcast and I would love to know you and what you think of it as well. Now, last thing, as always, if you haven't already, make sure that you subscribe to be notified every Tuesday when new episodes drop. If you don't subscribe, you might forget about this little old podcast and how devastating would that be? All right, guys, I will talk to you next week. See you then. Mm -hmm.